Recorded live. Yeah, everything's going well, man. Going well. I just wanted to catch up with you before it got too crazy here uh, with the start of football season. So that's why I was trying to get an interview with you. Uh, and just oh, yeah. I've seen you guys have some great stuff going on. So, you know. Oh, yeah, it's been getting bigger by the minute, man. It's crazy. Like, yeah, and I wasn't just talking Hollywood talk. Yeah, I wasn't talking Hollywood talk. I'd like, I'd like to keep up with you here every month or so, you know, just to keep, you know, putting it out there. People like it, yeah. so, you know. Yeah. And like I said, I've added all kinds of new legends. I mean, we got Butterbean. We got, I mean, so many guys on board now. It's crazy, you know? Okay. Awesome. Awesome stuff, man. Awesome stuff. No, but I like the videos and, the, uh, and the, you know, all the pictures and stuff. I've been I've been enjoying the ride just, you know, via the social media. So, <laughs> I like. Oh, we're, get, we're getting ready to have a guy named D.R. Webster from over in Ireland. Mm-hmm. He's going to make a theme song for us, and it's going to be set to, Video clips of all these different fighters supporting legends of the cage, current and past. Um, it, it's going to be crazy. I mean, we've got Big John McCarthy, all kinds of people giving us shout-outs for the video. So it's going to be cool. 
All right, well, let's get into it. Uh, this is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake, and we are so happy to be joined once again with Brian Moore. He's actually got a moment from traveling on the road with the Legends of the Cage tour. Brian, thanks for joining us again on the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me, man. All right, Brian, let's get into it. You've been everywhere, and, and then uh, you've been in, from Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Las Vegas. Uh, give us, you know, uh, the rundown, some of the highlights of the Legends of the Cage tour, how everything's been going since the last time we talked. Oh, yeah, it's been doing real well. I mean, we've been picking up a lot of support, current fighters and past fighters. Um, we, you know, I've reached out to a lot of good people like Burt Watson and it's just, like I said, it's growing every day. It's kind of nuts. Um, the highlights, I guess, would have to be just the fighters getting back together. You know, I mean, I mean, it was great to reach out to the fans, and it was great seeing the fan interactions at the expo and, and the places we've been. But just to be able to get Don Fry and Gary Goodridge and Mark Coleman and all these guys back together again, that's really been a highlight for me. And, and sure, with folks, just like you talk about them getting back together again, I mean, I think people don't understand, you know, uh, we kind of saw Robbie Lawler and Roy McDonald beat each other's brains out, and then you sort of pick them after the fight. But talk about how, you know, they only had each other kind of during that time fighting and how now that, you know, that's still that camaraderie is still there between them, even though they might be miles away sometimes. Oh, yeah, man. There's a lot of love between the, the fighters of this sport, you know. I mean, you're going to have your – 20-year grudges, you know, people that are just, that still just don't like somebody, but it's it's few and far between. I mean, you know, all these guys, they're just, they're, they're overwhelmed when they get the opportunity. Like, it shocks me how many of these guys have fought someone, and then that's the first word out of their mouth, is that's who they want to see again, you know. Um, Emmanuel Yarborough, you know, he said, could you bring on Keith Hackney? That was a shocker, and when Keith joined and we got him up to the Chicago event, um, he's going to be coming out to the expo we're doing in October. Um, it's just going to be nuts, man. I mean, getting these guys all in the same room and being able to sit with the fans and do question and answer sessions. And, you know, they're, you guys will have to come out to the October expo. It's being presented by AJ Hiller. Um, it's the MMAclassic.com. It's going to be huge. Awesome, awesome. And you're talking about the one in Syracuse, October 3rd, October 4th. Um, been seeing it on social media and stuff. Hey, give us a rundown. You've been adding legends to the tour, the roster. Uh, who's going to be there? Who else have you added to the tour? Well, uh, like we've added a bunch of guys, Butterbean, Jason Farn. Um, God, it's just his, every single day, you know, there's new people coming on board. Um, Andy Brink, uh, we're just – constantly adding new guys, you know. And as far as going to the event in October, it's going to be a packed schedule. I mean, we've got, I mean, without trying to sound like Bubba Gump here, you know, we've got Goodridge, Barlins, Coleman, Fry, Inoue, Baroni, Trigg, uh, Burt Watson. There's so many people going to be at this event, you know. Um, I know I'm forgetting people. Butterbean, Keith Hackney, Emmanuel Yarborough all going to be out supporting Legends of the Cage. So it's going, to, it's going to be awesome. I mean, he's got a lot of young uh, fighters coming in, a lot of the women supporting the WMMA in a big way at this event. And I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, it's our biggest appearance to date, you know, and as far as I'm concerned, it's going to be the, the biggest, baddest, most fan-interactive expo in the world. 
And you talk about some of the uh, contemporary fighters. I mean, we saw that, like, everybody from even, like, the youngest uh, WMMA fighter out there, Paige Van Sant, uh, the picture you guys have with the current middleweight champion, Chris Weidman. I don't have the current fighters embrace the Legends of the Cage Tour. It's really been a shock, man. Like, when we went out to the Las Vegas event, you know, just to know that Chris Weidman said he had heard of us, he he knew the organization, you know. Um Luke Rockhold, all these all these guys had already heard about what we were doing, you know, and that was kind of a shock to me. It was once they realized who we were and, and who I was, then it was easy to talk to them, you know. They're just like everyday people, you know. And Chris White, like one of my favorite moments from the whole event, and i got to say it, one of the nicest guys in MMA, hands down, is John Dotson. Um, I met with John and had several conversations when I was there, and he's just one of the friendliest fighters I've ever met in my life. And I'm I'm hoping he takes the gold in September. You're talking about John Dobson who's coming up for the, the another rematch with the flyweight champion, unbeatable Demetrius Johnson. Uh yeah, that match is coming up September fifth. Uh unbeatable, huh? We might have to I mean he's been unbeatable to this point. He's been unbeatable to this point. Dobson <laughs> yeah. almost yeah. had it but you can't, you know, like Dana White always says, which, I mean, I kind of am tired of hearing it at this point, you can't let the fight go to the card. So he almost had. Oh, man. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, with these judges nowadays, you cannot let nothing go to the judges. You know. Exactly. Um, and we're not even talking just the fights in, uh, that are overseas. I mean, as we've known, if we talk about the Pioneers of MMA, how many, how many bad decisions that people have got robbed. I mean, uh, this is the stuff that's yeah. happening on the U.S. soil. So, uh yeah, but I don't want to go yeah, down they that need road to have right them now. legends come in. We we need to have the legends from Legends of the Cage judging these fights because these guys don't get them wrong. You know, that's not a, that's not actually a bad idea. At least to have one legend uh, as a judge yeah. for you know on, on these fights would be an amazing thing. That would be awesome. Actually. Yeah, be, it awesome. would be nice to have a judge that actually knows what a significant strike is. You know what I mean? Significant <laughs> strike, a significant strike, yeah. and knows like you know points for takedowns. And, like, you know, not just takedowns that are, like, cage-assisted, like, true takedowns. Yeah, no, I, yes, yes. Yeah. The ins and outs of the technical world of MMA. I mean, because you feel like if you go somewhere, you see a fight, if it's, I'm trying to think of where it was, but there's somewhere that's never hosted an MMA event. That section and body then has to come up with MMA judges who might have done some amateur fights and stuff like that. But if a promotion is not big in the state, then you're not going to get world-class judges, and that's what you should always have with, you know, yep. one of the world's best Well, and as we see, the UFC, you know, the biggest organization in the sport. I mean, they are the biggest organization in MMA, and their judges suck, you know? So it it, it happens, you know? Sometimes they get it right. A lot of times they get it wrong. That's why you just got to you gotta fight for that first round, man. Anything after that's just overtime, you know? Absolutely. And so happy to be joined with Brian Moore of the Legends of the Cage Tour. We're getting into a little interesting of MMA. But you're right. There has not been one UFC card in the last, I don't know, since maybe the beginning that hasn't had some controversial decision on it. And it's getting worse and worse. Um, and you see it more down card, not so much. Well, you see it all up and down cards, actually. But yeah. yeah. Um, let's get back to Legends of the Cage Tour. Um, okay. So we're talking about Legends of the Cage. You guys feature the pioneers of MMA, so we think about MMA history. But you guys are on the cutting edge of technology right now. Tell us about what you got coming down the pipe. You you, you, you told me, and I was shocked, you guys got an app coming. 
Yeah, it's actually not our app. Um, we've partnered up with a company called Talk to Legends. You can find them at talktolegends.com. <clears throat> You'll be able to download their app and actually reach out and FaceTime with some of the biggest legends of the sport. Uh, we currently have Gary Goodrich, Paul Barlins, um, God, Pat Smith. Uh, we've got a lot of guys signed up on it already and more coming. Um, and it's just going to be an opportunity for the, the fan to just reach out and call directly through the app and talk to these guys, you know, to the Don Fries and, and be able to hear the stories, you know, directly from the fighter. And it, it, the launch for the app just came out this week. They're working on the Android launch. It should be very soon. But you can check it out at the Apple iTunes store under Talk to Legends and have a chance to actually have a conversation with some of the people you've idolized or looked up to, you know? Oh, my God. Can you imagine talking about Gary Goodrich and how he feels about the way that they uh, judge elbows now these days? I mean, you know, like, all right, that would be one of the questions I would ask to see his reaction. Um, but. Um, yeah, no, that's awesome, awesome stuff. You guys got some other great merchandise. Uh, I saw the I saw the t-shirts, the blue t-shirts. I mean, tell, that, that stuff's going to be available at the tour. But, I mean, for anybody living under the rock, give us the rundown. How can people get this great stuff? Uh, you just gave us the information for the app, but give the website and that good stuff too. Okay, well, our website is legendsofthecage.com, and you can look for Talk to Legends under talktolegends.com. As far as the shirts go, we're right now in negotiations with a couple of different companies, um, some sponsor companies and stuff that are interested in actually producing them for us. So, you know, our big launch for the clothing and stuff is going to be at the Expo in New York, October 3rd and 4th. But before then, I should have it up on the website, legendsofthecage.com, a way to actually buy the merchandise. We're looking at hats. MMA gloves, uh, shirts. There's, there's a lot of things we're gonna, we're gonna actually work into by the time we're done. Awesome, awesome stuff. Um, and then for anybody else, if they're looking to get the signed memorabilia and things like that, that uh, help the legends, how can they do that? Yeah, if you see any guy on the, the Legends of the Cage website, any guy that you want something autographed by, feel free to reach out to me at True MMA H O F which is Legends of the Cage on Twitter, or feel free to call me at 937-765-2748. I'm always available. Um, these guys, they've all got merchandise, you know, and if, if somebody needs an autograph or somebody has a piece of memorabilia they need to get signed, I'm always available to hook them up with the fighter to make that happen. Awesome, awesome stuff. All right, Brian, that's the info we needed. October 3rd and 4th, Syracuse, New York. The MMA world from the past, present, and future will be there. Um, anything else we need to know about the Legends of the Cage Tour right now, and how can people continue to support? Um, we have, well, we always have had the GoFundMe account, Legends of the Cage, back forward slash GoFundMe. Um, the biggest way they can support is just social media, you know, uh, blowing us up. Reach out to your favorite fighters. Reach out to fighters from the past. Let them know who we are, what we do. You know, uh, if if somebody's fought in that cage one time, we want them. You know, uh, they're all warriors. They're warriors till the day they die. And we want to respect each and every one of them and reach out to every fighter out there and let them know that we have their back. Awesome stuff. MMA, hell yeah. Can't say anything more. 
Once again, thank you for coming on the podcast. We will check in uh, maybe a little closer to the Syracuse date and definitely afterward to get the update. And thank you for what you're doing for Legends of MMA. Um, and, and just thank you for being a conduit for us here with an Ohio bias for this great, great cause. Well, thank you guys for having me. And thank all the great fans out there that have made it possible. You know, without all the followers and, and fans that we have right now for these fighters, there would be no legends of the cage, you know, and all you guys are what makes this possible. Just know that. All right. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thank you. You have a nice day, man. All right, man. That's great stuff, man. So that's awesome. Awesome stuff. So, you know, I get all fired up. I I get all fired up. Are we still on the air? Oh, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. Okay. That Demetrius Johnson joke, dude, after I said it, then I realized, your name is Demetrius. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, just, I was just joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, no, I was just, like, undefeatable, I, I, huh? I think, I think, I think <laughs> like, here's the thing with me. This is between, I mean, this is just us talking, but they know it's protecting some of these yeah. champions, man. You know, like, I, I oh, give yeah. Weidman credit. Weidman, I mean, I say, like, this, I wasn't a Weidman fan, but, I mean, after that last, like, this guy, all, all he's done is walk through everybody they put in front of him. And it's been the best of the I best. Didn't become, I, mean, like, I didn't become a Weidman fan until Machida fight. Yeah, that's yeah. when Weidman. That's when because I thought Lucky shot with Anderson, and I thought you know he got lucky with that check. When yeah. he fought Machida, he earned my respect. You know, I'm like, but real fight. Every every fight he's fought in, he's taken a shot and then come back on. He can wrestle. He 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 has a. I mean, he really is a full package. And all I do is underestimate the guy, and I feel like a fool every time the fight's over. So I, it's like at this point, yeah. the guy's earned my respect. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. And that's well, all you and can Demetrius, add, you Johnson, Demetrius Johnson's bad to the bone, dude. I'm rooting for John Dotson for a couple reasons. One, because he's the one that's pushed him the farthest and the hardest, yeah. you know. And two, like I said, the dude was just an outstanding, friendly, freaking guy. I had a great time hanging out with him in Vegas, you know. Mm-hmm. And he just had the mindset, like he had the mindset then of somebody that could walk in and take a belt, you know. So once yeah. the fight was announced a few weeks later, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I'll be supporting John Dawson. <laughs> you know? I think it would be great. I think it's great for that division, too, just to have a new champion. Cause, I mean, you ask somebody, honestly, that's just a casual fan, they can't even tell you who the flyweight champion. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. they know some flyweights. They might know Dawson. They might, you know, some of the other guys, but they don't really know. Yeah. He just, I mean, Demetrius Johnson held the belt so long that he's become, you know, uh, he was hot, and then, like, nobody even knows him now. Who's the picture? Yeah, the picture I think he's, he's the he most underrated with, uh, champion. Yeah, he took that picture with Stephen Struve, and, like, everybody's like, who's the kid? Somebody was joking on Twitter, of course. But they're like, who's the kid with Stephen Struve? You know what I mean? Like, that's a chat, man. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Well, dude, I got a picture. I got a picture somewhere of Demetrius Johnson standing between Gary Goodridge and Paul Barlin. Wow. And wow. he looks he looks like an Oompa Loompa brother. I mean, he's <laughs> like all the respect in the world for the dude, but, but beside them two, which I have a picture of me and them two, and it's the same thing. I look like a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like my my wife says, it looks like they're picking you up off the floor because they got their <laughs> arm around me, and it does. It looks like they're lifting me up off the ground, you know? <laughs> so guys like Stefan Struve make you look small. Yeah, not definitely. But I'll be honest, I was shocked at how small – you know, uh, John Dodson was and all them guys, you know, like when you watch these guys on TV, they just, even Goodrich and Coleman, you know, they, they seem so much bigger to me on TV and in the fights and, and just as a regular fan, 
then when I meet them, I realize, you know, these dudes are, you know, guys that I would get my ass kicked at a gas station because I would smart off because they don't look like, you know what I mean? What? I don't know. Like, I just had everybody built up so huge. You know, yeah, but it's also, it's team. also, you, you also got the guys, which, like, when I first started liking MMA, Ken Florian was, like, you know, the big thing coming up then. And I yeah. always thought it was funny because Kenny Florian looks like he'd be your accountant. And so, like, you know, yeah. you say so, that would be the guy that if anybody, when we were somewhere and some guy started some stuff, that's the guy that I would start talking trash to. Next thing you know, I'd be on the floor with an elbow going across my eyes. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. I, I, I see that all the time. Yeah, man, I see that all the time. Because there's not that many broadcasters walking around. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Well, I mean, these guys, they just seemed like when I met them, I thought, you know, this guy's going to be huge. I'm going to feel so small around him. And then that ain't the fact, you know. When I'm standing next to Demetrius and he comes to my shoulder, I'm like, wow. Or uh, John Dawson and he came to my shoulder, I was like, wow, dude. Like, these guys are, are small, yeah. you know, like 125 pounders. I mean, I was 135 my whole life. Now I'm 180. You know, the last two years has caught up with me. But gotcha. to to see a 125-pounder now, it's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's cool that they have that much power, that much speed, you know. But it's also, it's also that, that, that wrestling background. It's that endurance they have. Yeah, I mean, and then you think about yeah, it. The cardio. But, there's some guys like you talk. You made a statement that anybody stepped in the cage once. There's been some guys that stepped in the cage. They don't have the they don't have the heart and they don't have the jaw to do what these some yeah. of these guys have done to go through the wars that they've been through. You, th- I mean, yep. you know, you know, yeah. I mean, like well, when uh, when you look back on Goodridge fights and Fry fights, you know, Goodridge would come out win or lose, dude. He was swinging for the fences. Uh, there wasn't no such thing as a jab. You know what I mean? With Gary. And Don's the same way. I mean, like with a Takayama fight, you know, put any two dudes from MMA today, unless it's Frankie Edgar and somebody else that just don't go down, you're not going to get a Don Fry Takayama moment again, you know? Yeah. Like, they were different kind of warriors then. It, it was it was a fight. It wasn't a sport. Yeah. You know, they were being paid to fight, not compete. There was a difference. Oh, there's no question. Like, you see these guys get saved by bells and whatnot. You know, like, that wasn't happening back then. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or well, like, I, I talked to yeah. guys, like, uh, I don't know if you know who Gary Myers is. He fought for IBC and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, King of the Cage. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. you know, he was, telling, he was telling us a story about fighting in a bar somewhere in 1989. No rules, you know, and mm-hmm. putting his thumb into some guy's eye so deep that it sunk up to his second knuckle. You know? And the guy never boxed again. It, it permanently injured his right eye, you know. And these guys, nowadays, they don't have a clue what these guys went through to to make this sport what it is today, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And I think about the fights that they took to keep keep money in their pockets while they were injured. I see all these fights that don't happen now because of injuries. And you're like, okay, this guy says he's got hurt ribs and stuff like that. I mean... Come on, man. You know these guys back in the day. They were fighting no matter what it was, especially those pride fights. When you're fighting yeah, the same Gary night, Goodrich, yeah. Gary Goodrich threw a disc in his back, dude, during a pride event. Threw a disc in his back. And they come in and shot him up full of cortisone yeah. and painkillers and sent him right back out. You know what I mean? And he fought. So that's it's nothing like it used to be, you know? like I'm going to say, uh, I just thought about something. You, you might want to think about there's a guy who wrote a book. I don't know if you see the interview we did, the uh, Vince McKee guy, Ohio Warriors. 
No. Have you seen that? No. Uh, he's got a, He wrote a book about just some of the fighters in Ohio, but I just thought about it. He should write a fight, like share these stories of Gary and stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, I know Gary has the one book. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah. I like a Legends of the Cage type book. Like, because I think it's, it would be fun to see those guys sit around, or even you guys should do like a Legends of the Cage YouTube session. Because like the stories that you're talking about with them interacting with each other, and, like, that point, yep. I think that point gets lost when people don't understand now unless they get to the expos and stuff, but how they well, like this to, expo, like, see Yeah, at this expo, you know they're I mean? going to be doing a, at this expo, they're going to be doing, like, a Legends panel where we put four or five guys up on, okay. let them okay. tell stories. We're going to be recording everything. They're going to be having yeah, that's a... Yeah, that's what I'm uh, talking about. That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, dude, there's going to be a roast of Dan Severin by the okay, MMA I fighters. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what else are they doing? Oh, a UFC one viewing party, and we're going to have Art Gaby there and uh, Tolule, the, the member of the very first fight in UFC when the dude got his teeth kicked out, and he's on oh, Hawaii yeah. Five O now. Yeah, him oh, yeah. and Gordo, him and Gordo both are going to be there from the very first fight. Wow. Uh, we've got a ton of UFC one guys coming in. There's a dinner where fans can pay sixty five bucks, and they can actually come in, sit with the guys from UFC one, and have a dinner and watch UFC 1, view it, and, and while the guys are on stage talking about what happened and stuff from behind the scenes. and So we're going to be doing a lot at this expo, okay. and we're planning on doing three to four of them a year. Nice. Okay. So we're going to be traveling all over the country with it. All right. Oh, that's awesome stuff. To, yeah, no, you're already, yeah, yeah, no, you got it, you got it going on. I'm just trying to make sure I keep up with you guys. Because, I mean, like, the stuff's awesome, what you're doing, man. It really is. So. Yeah. Oh, dude, like, I'm from Ohio. You know that, right? Just north yeah. of Dayton. Yeah, I know. You know so, you know where I come from. You know, to be doing this now, it's like, holy shit. You know, I wake up every morning just amazed at what Twitter did. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know? I, I love, yeah, I love the story. But, yeah, that's why, like, I don't, like, I mean, if you want to, I'll interview. But I like having you on because I know you're from Ohio and it sticks with our, like, Scene. You know what I mean? It's with an Ohio bias. Yeah. So. It's good enough for me. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I like, and your perspective, I, I think, wait, is unique, too. I can't wait for you know it to go mean? big, man. I can't wait for it to go big so I can bring some some love back to Ohio. I'm ready to get these guys into Ohio and do a big tour. You know, well, I just got to find the right person I, here to set it up. I would, And I would say hold on to it because, like, where it happens, they've got to do a UFC event or, like, even I, – I told somebody, because I know a couple people on the athletic commission, I was like, has Bellator reached out to you guys? Has, I know WSOF doesn't come that far east sometimes, but it's like, come on, man. One of these fighting promotions has – it hasn't been a fight since, like, 2007 in Ohio. I mean, Bellator, yeah. I take that back. Bellator was here in, like, 2010, I think. The, well, uh, I reached I, I reached out yesterday to Joe Silva from the UFC. Uh-huh. I sent him a te- I sent him a text message and I said, "Hey, dude, when are they bringing the UFC to Cleveland, Cincinnati, you know, Columbus? We need something in Ohio." And he Cleveland. sent me a message. Yeah, well, he sent me a message back. Nothing in the works as of yet. Yeah, they like, can't do fuck. Cleveland. Cleveland Cleveland has this stupid city tax for N- NACS. It, yeah, shit up there too. Yeah. So it's bullshit. So that you know, like for a professional MMA, like it's it's like some archaic text, and like they won't waive it. They're idiots. Like that's them on the biggest thing. But Columbus and Cincinnati, hell, Dayton. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Dayton, so. dude. <laughs> the damn Nutter Center. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, so, but see, that's another thing. Like, man, it's going to take us a couple years to get this full swing, you know. But when it does, and, and the money starts coming in, the sponsors start coming on board the way we need them, you know, we're they got these guys got big plans. I mean, they it, we're not past starting a fight organization in the state of Ohio. You know, we're just not. That'd be awesome. And yeah, and bringing in Don Fry, Gary Goodridge, you know, Mark Coleman as the commentators, and I mean, we're not past doing that, you know. Or even we've even talked about staging a TV show, kind of like the Ultimate Fighter House, but not just a, a tournament style TV show, you know, where these guys team up and we have six legends from Legends of the Cage versus another six legends, and they have ten pupils each, you know. I mean, we've been working on a lot, man, talking with people and, you know, that talking about maybe getting on a radio show once a week and doing a radio show. So hopefully in the next month I'll have a lot more to announce. All right, man. No, well, we'll, 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 you know me, uh, you know, I'll be following along, like I said, so, you know, and I'll definitely be reaching out, so. Okay. And anytime, anytime you guys want to do an interview with any of the guys or, I mean, like I said, I've got so many on board now, just let me know. Okay, like I, can I appreciate it, that, man. I can set it up quick. Okay, so. awesome stuff. All right, well, I, I appreciate it, Demetrius. Oh, man, anytime, man, anytime. Thank you so much, man. And give me a call after Dotson takes that belt. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you a call, and I will shout you out of the podcast as being right as you called your shot. So, yeah, like. Yeah, I predicted it. Second round knockout for John Dotson. All right, all right. Definitely, definitely all right, cool. that one, man. Take care, brother. All right, Cool, man.
Hey, man. What's going on, man? Uh, oh, a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> but uh, working on a WordPress page, as you've probably seen, and that's uh, being developed every day for demo material and shit like that. Um, got to go to the station tomorrow and learn how to produce the Browns games and make sure the commercials run, shit like that. So I'll be there for the Browns game until about one thirty when the pre-game or the post-game show wraps up. Good Lord. And they make enough coffee. Yeah. They make enough coffee. You going to just take an IV with you? Yes. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to take two extra straight five-hour energies and <laughs> two black labels and see what happens. But then i got to be back up there at 6 a.m. on Friday for uh, the Clark Kellogg radiothon that goes on from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So I'll be up there before school and then after school and then uh-huh. possibly have to work Saturday. Needless to say, I'm not going to be around a whole lot here in the next till about Sunday. So it's good that no, we got I was just I was down there. I thought I had Wi-Fi, but the Wi-Fi sucked. So like, it was literally slow to us. So I couldn't get anything done. Yeah, man. So oh, I ended okay. up being at the beach all day, and I was fucking crushed. So there was no point. Yeah, I mean, wow, the beach. That'd be nice. I'm not beach. <laughs> <laughs> You're breaking up on me. I don't know if it's you hear me. me. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Is that better? Yeah. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, no. So, I don't know. Uh, But it was nice, though. Yeah. Cool. Place going good down there for you? Yeah, it's going. Good. I'm I'm on a high up here. I'm homesick, so. Yeah. When are you going to get back here? Do you have any, uh, anything in stone? I don't have anything in stone right now. I don't have anything in stone right now. So, uh, gotcha. That's the first possible opportunity. That's when it's going to happen. So, um, right. But that being said, well, we might as well wait to, I mean, we might as well wait to like Monday. That way we have a better idea to try to do an NFL show um, and do... I don't know why you want to do the NCAA preview. I didn't. I, I was going to try to get BJ and 2K back again, but that show took so long that if I don't offer it to him, it's not working. So then we could just do one. Um, that way, it's just a little shorter and a little easier to, you know, you manage twice. Yeah. Um, and that can just be our shows for next week. I mean, because the NFL show, the preview, we can kind of talk about what we've seen from the Browns so far, and that's going to be our two shows for the week. So we can do it Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Um, and we can do that. Okay. So, um, Perfect. I don't know if you ever did that top five quarterbacks for the top five with bias. I'm just going to turn that into a uh, into a, a, a like a feature post. Um, okay. I mean, the guys I had, shit, like Tyrone Boykin, Cook, of course, Cody Kessler, and if I think about TCU's quarterback, that's Boykin. Um, this is excluding Buckeyes, of course. Um, right. Deshaun Watson of Clemson, who's the fifth one? Who's the fifth? I don't know who the fifth one is. 
don't know who the fifth one is. And I have some honorable mentions, of course, like Jacoby Brissett and stuff like that. But right. I don't know. It's nothing big. Uh, and then I'm going to do a fantasy football, like, names that are not that popular, like some down, like, not the top five guys you take, but just, like, names that uh, you should know that you might not or something like that. I forget how it works, but that's all right. So. Um, that's it. Cool. Cool. On this show, pretty, pretty easy. I ain't got much to say, honestly. <laughs> right. No, it would be good just to get some content out there real real quick, like. All right. So. Um, been killing it on Twitter with that follow train. Oh, that was amazing, ain't it? Yeah, you know saying yeah, <laughs> crazy. We're gonna have to skew skew our content more towards national. I'm <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> Well, I think the NFL show will be well received. You know, the NCAA shows. Yeah, yeah. That makes are you bringing? This is what I was going to ask you. Are you going to bring back in the book? Yeah, for the football season, that's yeah. the plan. Uh, now that I'm blogging more and I, I know how to do things a little bit easier, and I have a laptop, it should be a lot easier to do. And at some point, uh, I'll just be able to post it right onto our WordPress page. All right. I just wanted to ask you. All right. Um, yeah, all right. That's all I got. You ready to go? Yeah, I, I think so. I just uh, feel like uh, we're, we're we're making strides forward. Building, we're starting to build a brand. I feel like. No, it's no question. No question. Yeah. This is no. with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. Show forty-eight. Day after tomorrow. I am D. Cleveland, born and raised. Buckeye, born and bred. And I'm Jake from the O to CBUS. We're talking the sports you care about. Uh, it's the day after tomorrow. I pretty much you, you know what that is on this podcast. We're going to be talking about the day that was for Jim Nance using all the Jason Day puns. No, we're going to be talking about the big win for Jason Day at the PGA Championship. We're then going to talk about the Cleveland Browns, the game that was against the Washington Redskins, and a look ahead to the Buffalo Bills. We then will go and check in in the wigwam and talk about the tribe as they move through the rest of the season. Uh, and then we'll finish up just quickly with our closing, talk about the Blue Jackets' new March With Us campaign and also some new acquisitions to the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with Dean and Jake. We will see you on the other side. All right, Jake, you've been calling it all year long. He was your guy. You had been mentioning him, mentioning him, and uh, we had seen him come so close. Like it was the British Open. Uh, he, he had performed so well. But, I mean, this performance, historic for the ages. I mean, I don't know anybody who's ever had this good of a day at a tournament that huge. Um, and for a guy that had never won a major, Jason Day went the PGA Championship at Whistling Straits. Was it any other way that you would have wanted to see to the golf season end? No, and he did it in record-breaking fashion at 20 under par, which is just absolutely incredible to think about uh, in a major championship. Um, you know, he he was able to sit there and stare down Jordan Spieth in the final round, too, which made it even more impressive. He pretty much beat him head up on a, in a match play situation. And we don't have to rehash how great Jordan Spieth has been this year. Uh, but it, it would be – I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that he also became the number one player in the, in the world uh, by his finish at the, at the PGA Championship. 
So uh, we saw a season from him a lot, maybe not quite as great as Tiger's 2000 season, but it was in a stratosphere that uh, few have reached. I think the best thing, and especially this event, where you had Rory out there, you had some other great performances, but Jason Day, I mean, he was beyond in the zone with that performance. But this is what we talked about, and we've been talking about it here with Ohio Bias. Of course, you guys heard it, but of the young players on the tour and what has you entertained by golf and what watching golf is supposed to be. And that's everything we got with this last event, and that's what we got all season long this year in golf. And, I mean, it was because of the the, the unbelievable year that Jordan Spieth had. Uh, you had Jason Day, you know, nipping at his heels. I mean, the finish to the British Open, if you talk about those last four holes for the guys in contention, was phenomenal drama. And then we talk about here – You think about the way, and somebody made this point, and we know it, but Jason Day literally was fighting off Vertigo and fell down a hill. And to now see the way that he finished this season, I mean, uh, and, you know, of course, it's with an Ohio bias. He is an Aussie, but, you know, his home course being Mirfield, you know, we were more stoked. And, I mean, I was just cheering, I mean, and to see the emotion overwhelm him even before he could finish the putt um, and then brace with his caddy and everything and his lovely family, I it literally, probably to me, and you know, it is once again biased. Was one of the best moments of golf. Yeah, uh, it, extra cool, uh, Aussie, uh, but also an Ohio's adopted son. Adopted son. Uh, so it, it was great to see in that regard. Just an overall likable guy. I mean, the major golf he's played this year, even winning the Canadian Open uh, the week after the heartbreaking British Open. Uh, and, and then the vertigo battle at the U.S. Open, I mean, he's he's definitely stood the test for the season. And it's opening golf into a, a new light, a new age, uh, I guess. Now you got you can throw him into the mix with Rory and, and Spieth at the top, and you got plenty of other young guys that are right there. I mean, geez, the, the season DJ had, uh, you know, coming close so many times only to fall short. Uh, you got a guy, guys like Justin Rose, uh, even a guy like Brandon Grace who jumped on the scene this year in the majors, uh, both from overseas. And, uh, of course, Ricky Fowler, who uh, won the Players' Championship. So th- there's a lot of young guns, and uh, both Americans and uh, guys from uh, other countries. And then if somehow Tiger Woods can get his game in, in some semblance of an order and be competitive and be in this mix, and we're talking about kind of that second chapter of Tiger Woods, uh, golf could be very, very fun to watch here in the next five years. Well, I'll tell you what's not fun to watch is a guy make uh, anthill, uh, make a mountain out of an anthill. And Bubba Watson. And that's the only takeaway from this weekend that I did not like is the Bubba Watson drama <laughs> uh, with that whole thing. Your thoughts on that, even though Bubba Watson was playing well, he played well also, too, the week before. I mean, uh, am I crazy in thinking that's a lot to be asking for out there, to be asking for a drop, knowing the rules of the PGA Championship? Yeah, you know what? Bubba, I, I could do with his on on course. I could do without his on-course antics. Uh, he's a baby out there. He screams down caddies. He blames the caddy for bad shots. It's it, it, it's really 
starting to become an issue. And, and for everything that we've seen about uh, or with Jordan Spieth this year and all the praise he's getting, he needs to watch it too with begging for every shot. It's pretty unbecoming when whether it's perfect shot or just missed shot or something's always wrong and he's always blaming something it seems like. Now, he was also complaining about the sound of the cameras at the British Open. Uh, I think that was like 16 or whatever that hole is on the turn where the crowd finally comes up where the city, the road, the road hole. He was complaining about the cameras there at that hole, and the caddy was going crazy on the final day. Yeah, and we've seen some of that with Steve Williams on Tiger's bag, and he, he got he's known for taking cameras away from guys. Uh, but it, it's it, yeah, it, it's all it all is part of it, and I think Spieth is starting to get into that uh, that bubble range of being a baby out there a little bit, and he's got such good positive things going right now. He needs to just realize where the microphones are, I guess, more than anything else in this day and age. Uh, and 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 uh, it's a tough situation because you don't want him to take away from what he is and who he is, uh, but at the same time, it's just it's not a it's not a good look. Well, I'll tell you what is a good look is that, and it was a point you made. We've talked about Tiger many times on our podcast, but now it seems that uh, you've uh, said it enough that Tiger's going to take your advice, and he's actually going to play some of these final events uh, to try to get his game back. And so, like you said, we might see a, a much improved and resurgence of Tiger Woods as we go into the upcoming season for next year. Yeah, it's a good thing. He was a little up in the air, I guess, and then finally committed uh, early on Monday uh, to play in Greensboro at the Wyndham Championship. Uh, Problem is, he's going to have to finish second or better. Uh, And then last time I checked, there's only one spot better than second to qualify for the FedEx Cup, which starts uh, the following week at the Barclays at Beth Page Black. So um, it's great in one sense that he's going to get one more tournament in, and barring a miracle, it's going to be his last one uh, until the funny season of golf. And uh, so let's just hope going forward that this is a precedent that he's setting, that he's going to play more and he's going to find his game the right way on the course. Absolutely, absolutely. And once again, just can't say enough how happy. I mean, I literally, I, I was smiling ear to ear uh, watching Jason Day. I mean, you knew he had it, but the way he finished it, it, it couldn't happen for a greater guy. It couldn't happen for a greater guy. I actually uh, called Ohio home. So, you know. Yeah, it was a, a very exciting final round, too. It's like those two were just going back and forth. And, and you even had some, some guys like DJ who threw up a horrible eight threw up a snowman on the first hole, but then battled back. Uh, Phil was uh, there on Sunday. So, uh, it, you know, a lot of good golf, and it was it was an exciting uh, leaderboard going in until about 15 when they uh, put it away. All right, so uh, get ready for a, a ton of folks out there looking for autographs from the PGA Championship winner, Jason Day. You got anything else on that? No, I'm good. All right, we'll be coming back talking your Cleveland Browns, what we liked from the game against Washington and looking ahead uh, to the game against the Bills. We're talking preseason football, ladies and gentlemen. This is with an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. We will see you on the other side. 
All right, Jake. The Cleveland Browns lost 2017 to the Washington Redskins. Um, let's just go through it. Some positive and negatives that you saw from the Cleveland Browns. I mean, we pretty much got everything we wanted out of Danny Shelton and uh, uh, some of the things on defense. But um, an offense looks crisp for the little bits we got to see in McCown and Manziel out there. Yeah, I mean, overall, I, I think we got out of it what we wanted to get out of it, and it was a lot like the scrimmage, the Orange and Brown scrimmage. I think the guys that stood out to me the most were uh, the two quarterbacks, McCown and Manziel, and Danny Shelton. Uh, I, I mean, the, the the way they have kind of stood above everything else, uh, outshined everybody else so far, I, I think is a, a, both a testament to the, the quarterback room and then just the raw talent of Danny Sheldon. Now, I got to go to one thing. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think the most disappointing thing to me are coming away with the injuries. You know, Terrell Pryor's out again. He didn't play against Washington. We lost Connor Shaw for a, a little bit. And, you know, it's just, it feels like every day somebody's coming up with a hamstring. And then, uh, of course, the, the perfect performance. I don't remember the word he used uh, from Justin Gilbert, who well, now also has a hamstring, was was definitely a standout performance. Face flawless performance. A flaw, that's it. A flawless performance by Justin Gilbert. I'm not even going to go there. I mean, Justin Gilbert's been bashed as much as possible, and I hope this guy's not pulling one of these fake injuries just to get his name out of the uh, news cycle. Um, I, will say, I will say this. The Browns have 18 injuries. You know, there's, there's been talked about the death, but some guys that I really like, I mean, and I'm trying to stay positive, I really like seeing Irving out there. I like the relationship between McCown and Manziel, even though we do need definitely with Shaw down now, Fatty Lou can't get them. We're going to need somebody else. Um, I like the guys that we got lower in that draft, Plummer third, Cooper, Orchard. I, I mean, I love seeing Chris Kirksey out there. I saw him make one bad play, and then you see him make one good play. So you can still see he's developing a little bit, but he almost had an interception on one play where he read it perfectly. So you see, like, sometimes he's not thinking out there. He's just reacting. And you'd love to see that in second-year player. Um, I also think about, you know, I love Andy Lee. We love the playing. We love the special teams. And Marlon Moore gunning on special teams is unbelievable. So I like to see that. Uh, but, I mean, if you got to go to the negatives, you got to go to the negatives. I mean, our skill positions um, are out. The one thing that I do, I will say, will be enjoyable for me this season uh, maybe because it was out of sight, out of mind, even though I used to have one a lot of my fantasy teams. Watching Brian Hartline catch the ball in traffic, just catch the ball in general, is a beautiful thing to see. We used to see it at Ohio State, but it was sort of lost on us maybe down there. The Miami Dolphins, you only saw it like maybe three or four times a year. Um, but like, because like Miami fans, you just don't watch the Dolphins that much. But um, now with him being with the Browns, I mean, just seeing him catch classes is great. I think Hartline and Hawkins will be guys that will be stars for our offense if they can get the ball. But, um, you know, without Bo out there and some of the other guys, like I said, we've done, we, the offense is going to have a hard way to go, hard way to go. And, but Cameron Irving's playing spot Joe Thomas. I like to see him, and I like to see how fired up he got on some of the, you know, rushing touchdowns and things like that. He was one of the first guys to run up and, uh, you know, slap of the hands, as they say, with the guy who scored the touchdown. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know. I was thinking when you said that about Gilbert, maybe it's like his master plan to make the team through injury, you know, get put on the PUP list. I think that's a way Pryor could actually make the team too. They both put on the six-week 
injury list, get some time, and then they don't take up a roster spot. I think it's a perfect, uh, perfect plan. But I, I was impressed with Cameron Irving, too. Uh, the, the versatility, that one extra player that we have this year that can play any one of the spots and play them effectively, whether that's Greco or, or Irving, uh, it, uh, it's a little bit comforting because it seems like every year, I mean, we know what happened last year with Alex Mack. Um, and, yeah, you know, and the other guy is Craig Robertson that kind of stood out a little bit. It just seems like he's becoming more and more of a leader on that defense, which is good to see. Um, defense still has a long way to go. They still have a problem stopping the run. But I will say this, we don't have this problem. We don't have a guy who thinks he's the best quarterback in the league but won't throw the ball away. Because Paul Kruger, I, I saw RG3 take eight hits, but four hits he didn't have to take. And the one that sticks out in my mind, Paul Kruger speared this guy about 17 yards behind the line of scrimmage when he could have just threw the ball away and went out about Robert Griffin is not going to be long for this season. Here is some free fantasy advice for everybody out there. If you get RG3, even if it's an auto draft, get rid of that guy any way you can because that guy will not last long this season. But that's my Robert Griffin third rant. So. That's um, a good way to go out. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually think, and I think Washington is kind of in the same situation. It's sort of Buffalo Bills, uh, kind of like us. You know, in the NFL, it's a situation of half and half not. So we talk about the quarterback position. Uh, you either have great quarterback play or you don't. There's no in-between. Um, the in-between gets you to 7-9, and nine, maybe 9-7, nine and seven, which doesn't get you to the playoffs, and that's what everybody's striving for, and that's what we want to stand. Uh, right now, we're going to see a situation in this Bills game where uh, their D-line, two sacks last year, Mario Williams and those guys, they're going to be coming after the Browns' O-line, but that's our strength, so that's going to be the most exciting thing to see at this preseason game for however long it lasts, is the battle of the trenches. But don't expect to be seeing no bombs down the field and things like that. It's going to have to be some quick passing game and stuff like that uh, before those guys get after McCown and Manziel to keep them healthy this game. So we might not see that much of the quarterback play because of how good that defensive line for the Bills is. Yeah, and that's what they love to do with Rex Ryan there now, get after the quarterback. So, you know, I think we've said it all along, the strength of this offense is the offensive line. So we need to establish the run in this game. And it's, you know, painful at times as that can be. Uh, it, it needs to be done. And, and we need to see something from Isaiah Crowell. I realize that he's basically the only healthy running back of significance right now. Terrence West is, is back, but how healthy is a hamstring? I don't know. Um, so to me, we, we really need to see these two guys, especially Isaiah Crowell, take that next step and, and – really pop as a, as a playmaker. Do you have any apprehension about saving the Crow and not feeding the Crow in preseason because of how many? I mean, the Bills got the same kind of problems we got. I mean, Shady McCoy went down with a hamstring during the Browns-Bills practices. Uh, Fred Jackson, who's, all, who's a great running back, I will say that. I love Fred Jackson fantasy, but the guy's often injured often injured. I mean, he might be what Duke Johnson turns into, which is a great player when he can stay on the field because he can catch out of the backfield. He's dynamic, but the guy is finds a way to always be nicked up. Um, can you, I mean, like, it, I, I'm kind of apprehensive of, like, establishing the run just because I, I'm apprehensive about this Bills game already just because I know how good that front four is and those linebackers. And you know Rex Ryan will not stop blitzing. That's the other thing. 
I mean, you think about the old buddy ball. I mean, you know they're going to be coming with that. It's only preseason. Who needs it, you know? Well, yeah, of course you're going to be cautious with Crowell figuring he's your number one back and having Terrence West back. But I think it's a matter of philosophy and whoever's in there uh, throughout the game. We we really got to try to make that presence felt. Uh, You know, those those blitzes, when you set up for some zone running, the holes are there. Uh, And it's a matter of hitting them and finding those guys. You know, I want Crowell to play as much as the rest of the starters. So whatever that risk factor is, is. But during that time, I think he needs to be fed a little bit and needs to find some success no matter how long he's in there. Absolutely, man. Um, I'm looking forward to just seeing more Browns action. We see how good our defense is compared to the Bills' defense, which I think, I mean, we know Mike Pettin and Rex Ryan, where Mike Pettin comes from. I mean, these it's like two mirror images. So, you know, can the big brother, uh, can the little brother beat the big brother? Can the teacher beat the student? I mean, can the teacher... Can the pupil beat the teacher, you know? Can the student beat the teacher? Can the pupil beat the sensei? So, you know, uh, hopefully Mike Pettin can snatch a rock from Rex Ryan's hand and uh, the, uh, the Browns come out looking at the better team. You know, these preseason games, it's uh, you're, you're always looking for two things, and a win isn't one of them. It's, it's taking a step forward in your progress and leaving without a major injury. If you can accomplish those two things, you've – gotten everything you can get out of this game. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll tell you this, I, I, you talk, we talked about the apprehension with the Crow. I'm all, also a little apprehension. I mean, I've seen enough from Mr. Lava Lava. I would put Danny Shelton on a uh, uh, on a, a very short uh, play uh, selection because, I mean, this guy, he needs to play when the money counts and keep him healthy as well. The way that guy plays with intensity, I mean, I can't have one of these cheap shot artists from Buffalo taking this guy out, you know, underneath the pile or chopping his leg. Yeah, do they do they make bubble wrap uniforms? Yes, uh, we need that for about three guys or so. All right, so we're looking forward to Browns Bills. Get fired up, football's here, you know, uh, and I mean college football's right around the corner too. So as always, go Browns, go Pound. We bark together, uh, and uh, Rex Ryan loves toast. Uh, we'll be coming back. Talking your Cleveland Indians. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. We will see you on the other side. <laughs> All right, Jake. A week ago, the Cleveland Indians had knocked the New York Yankees out of first place. But uh, have we come down back to reality after that great wave? Uh, we see them drop two <laughs> to the Twins. And now we're, uh, you know, struggling to get along, uh, get past the Red Sox here after one great performance. I mean, I'm not trying to put the fingers on anybody, point the fingers. Well, I am trying to point the finger. This Trevor Bauer guy is 5-7. He's once again getting testy with the media. And you know what my point was. We should have traded this guy when we had the chance at the deadline and got him out of here when we could have got something back for him. Uh, I'm not saying it that way. I still like Trevor Bauer, but, I mean, and I'm not saying he's the reason the Indians didn't go on a 10. Oh, yes, I am. The Indians didn't go on a 10-game win streak because <laughs> those are five games we would have had, and who knows what could have happened with that. Well, yeah. Put, making him the solo reason would be an injustice to Carlos Santana and some others. But uh, he's definitely a guy that is disappointed here in the second half. Uh, I think we all knew what we were getting when we got him as far as kind of that fragile personality. Uh, pseudo head case 
whatever. But it, it seems to me that he needs to start listening. Uh, you know, I, I see him out there shaking too many pitches off. Uh, you know, he's got his own throwing regimen. He does his own things. He needs to fall in line a little bit. I'm okay with having a personality and, you know, having some things that work for you. But this isn't working, obviously, here in the second half. So Let me, can uh, I ask a question real quick? Can I ask a question real quick? Now, in the modern day of baseball, this ain't like the old days where we're talking, or this ain't Bull Durham, where these guys are making it up as they go along. I mean, you have a game plan against the hitters that are coming up in the lineup. Don't the, the catcher, the pitching coach, they sit down with the pitcher who's up that day and say, this is what we're going to try to do against this guy, and they adjust it seeing how the umpire calls it. But we kind of know, so, like, if you see him shake off four pitches, either he's rattled or something's not right out there. You know, he's inside his own head. I mean, am I wrong? Or, you know, like, well, no, that's part of it. I mean, yeah, you have the game plans, but they can go out the window once you've faced a batter once, or if a certain pitch isn't working for you that day out on the mound and you can't locate it or stuff like that. And with his seven pitches, you know at least two of them aren't going to work that day. So you, you, there's so many different variables that go into it. And a lot of it, too, is pitcher-catcher relationship. And, you know, we lost a big part of this season of Jan Gomes developing with Trevor Bauer. Uh, so, I mean, it, obviously, like I said before, he may be a little bit of a difficult personality to work with, and he definitely seems very stubborn and uh, strong-minded. So he's the type of pitcher that, you know, sometimes has to get out of his own way to succeed. And I think that's when he's at his best is when he's just grooving with the catcher and, and he's he's got confidence in his stuff. Right now, I see a guy that's just lacking confidence and just, just kind of lost out there. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't ask him a question about it because then he'll take off after you and you can't tweet <laughs> him about it because then he'll take off after exactly. you. So, I mean, I mean, you know, stop being so goddamn sensitive. I mean, it's not like you – I'm joking. I, I, I mean, it's a little tongue-in-cheek, but, I mean, like the guy is 5-7. I mean, we're, we're talking to it's, – it's a thing of momentum, and I, I think that's the biggest thing I look to now. Um, you like what you've seen out of, you know, Urshel and Lindor. Aiden, it's great to see Kipnis back in DH, but uh, last night getting back in the lineup. But now they have to find some way to build some consistency and, and you know, uh, momentum, even if it is a finish up the end of the season, playing a spoiler uh, to some teams. Um, because I think that's going to be big going into the next season. And, I mean, can we send Lonnie Tudenhall down, make him think he's going to get a back uh, – uh, get back up so we can get this good Lonnie. You know, we get the bad Lonnie, the good Lonnie. You know, we get the Lonnie that's going to the Hall of Fame, send him back to the Hall of Fame, then we get the bad Lonnie. I mean, is it going to be one of those things where we just got to find the right window of Lonnie Chisholm Hall because the guy came back up and was hit the cover up? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, if you're going to have him in the majors, you're going to get the 162-game Lonnie, uh, which isn't very good. He gets he's very streaky, and his streaks aren't nearly long enough to sustain quality uh, or uh, to sustain the need for him to be in the lineup. Let's put it that way. He does nothing but hurt you in the long run over the course of a season, um, you know. And and then you look at the guys, and, and I'm not trying to pee on your party here, but Urshela, you know, you you can't sacrifice complete defense for 
very little offense at the third base position. It's a it's a position that you need to have some some real either power or run driving uh, ability at. Same with first base in the corner outfield position. So I mean I'm very super excited about Lindor. I really I. Really, Hey, if that? they got the power, if they got the power hitters, bring them up. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to see right. anybody. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, coming from? Like, I'm happy to see yeah. him to the corner. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's definitely an improvement over Lonnie Chisholm at third because he wasn't in for anything and he played stunk at defense. So at least he upgraded defensively. <laughs> um, so that's a start is a way in the right direction, but. You can't give up all that for for that. That's something that a second baseman is. And I'm sorry uh, if, if you got Kipnis there, but it just feels like this team's out of whack, uh, yeah. top to bottom right now. And like I said, I'm excited for Lindor. I'm excited for a full season with John Gomes working with the staff. Uh, I think there's a lot of hope because of the starting staff and the other pieces you can find if you can spend smartly which is yet to be determined with these two idiots at the top. And we found it with Salazar. As Salazar finds it, I mean, he's found a little consistency. Uh, he did get lit up that one outing. But, I mean, like, I, I don't I, – like, I think like, that's what you're looking for as we go down the stretch here. You know, like, I don't want to see guys check out and then just start, you know, going back to the bad habits. We know with Salazar's bad habits, that guy will stuff, he'll have an inning where he'll throw a bad pitch, give up a solo home run, and then he's rattled, getting, you know, knocked all over the place. So – um, you just I just want to see guys finish out strong. I don't know if that I mean what what I don't know what more can we ask for, you know, at this point. No, I, I, I totally agree. I, you you just hope that they're sharp and this season's taking a toll for a starting pitcher, not getting run support the entire year. Um but you know, I, I'm very encouraged, even with Bauer. You know, Bauer has the stuff. It's just between the ears and Salazar he gets rattled after a home run and gives it up, but that's going to come with experience and just knowing how to react in situations. I'm not worried about that. His stuff is great, and I think he's a, a, a top-end starter the next seven, eight years. Uh, as far as Carrasco, I still want to see it another year before I'm completely sold, but everything looks promising there. And even though Corey Kluver is getting lit up in Boston, which happens to the best, I mean, he's won the Cy Young, and over the last couple starts, we saw why. So, uh, when you've got that going for you, that's what every team in baseball is looking for right now. So, absolutely, young starters, I'm, I'm sure. Young starters, I'm pretty sure the Nationals. I'm pretty sure the Nationals would love it right now. <laughs> right? Yeah, I can name five teams in the playoff hunt that would trade starting staffs today. Well, we'd be excited to see what happens. Uh, and maybe your show, maybe this back end of the season helps him become a batter, better batter against the major league pitcher. Who knows? You know, maybe that, you know, maybe they can work with him a little bit. I mean, maybe not. Um, we talk about one of the great stories of the Indians in Boston, and we talk about two former Cleveland Indians and the former, the current skipper of the Boston Red Sox and the former skipper of the Boston Red Sox. Their friendship lasting long since the Cleveland time with the Cleveland Indians, and that's Tito Francona and John Farrell. John Farrell diagnosed with cancer. Uh, Tito Francona asked him what his first chemotherapy treatment was, and it just so happened it timed out perfectly, and he was there with him. Um, you want to see Farrell pull through and be able to return to the, the dugout with the Red Sox, and, uh, you know, just you want to see him become healthy, and we know cancer sucks. So 
it was just a great moment, I think, shared by two class gentlemen of the game. Yeah, and you'd expect nothing else from Terry Francona. He just uh, exudes class, if nothing else. And, you know, prayers up to John Farrell, you know, former Indian hurler. Uh, you know, that's where they met originally in the eight, late 80s when they were both on the Indians. Uh, John Farrell, of course, is the famous staff of Rich Yet and Scott Bales and uh, who else, Tom Candiotti and maybe Greg Swindell. But that's just off the top of my head. And then there's also with a great uh, picture to see uh, Michael Vila's daughter uh, throw out the first pitch, you know, uh, uh, the, the twins out there and everything. You know, the Indians lost that game. Um, it was a great scene. I will cut that part. It was a great scene as well as she's battling with Kenya. So, um, you know, uh, the Indians do care, and, I mean, we've seen a lot. And a great home attendance for these games when the Indians have been playing. So it's not the fans' fault. Definitely not the fans' fault. And I take back my idiot's comment from Chapinetti. They're not idiots. They just are misplaced. Uh, let's, let's, not go, let's not go rolling that back just yet. They made a good move, but let's not just go rolling that back. They got, a, they got another offseason to prove themselves. So, uh, as always, Roll Tribe, we'll be looking forward to seeing how this season ends up. The best thing the Cleveland Indians have done is make it easier for us to talk about Ohio State book guys and uh, NFL football. So, thank you, Cleveland Indians. Want to close out the show well- this week? Okay, I'm not going to put that in there. That was a lot. That was a no, I, I wanted to tell you, I was writing my, like, uh, about page on my blog today, and I was, and I, so I was, like, stretching for things to do, and I said, so I brought my sports teams into it. I said, you know, diehard sports fan my whole life, you know, from Youngstown, Ohio. My teams are the Indians, Cavs, uh, Browns, and Blue Jackets. And then I said, uh, and just to prove I'm not a sadist, the Buckeyes are my favorite. <laughs> I'm a dire Buckeyes fan too. <laughs> it's dark. Um, it's dark. <laughs> well, we talk about some bright moments. We got the Columbus Blue Jackets unveiled the campaign that we've been screaming about for a long time. And I know one gentleman that is Kevin J. Valentin was so happy because his hashtag March with us. So the Columbus Blue Jackets have embraced it. Um, we know the March of the Union Army now has full backing of the organization. This thing is going to be bigger and bigger. You can listen to the great interview with Kevin, uh, get all the information on the Union Blue Soldiers March with a, a March of the Union Army campaign and uh, the Blue Jackets commercials, the graphics, the, the pics. I mean, it's all pretty awesome. Yeah, really cool. Uh, you know, this franchise has come a long way from a little blue bumblebee hornet type looking thing to really embracing the the culture of blue jacket and and the history that that's revolved around the name and the evolution of how it's come to this is great and it's a it really is a a source of civic pride for for columbus who's known you know obviously for ohio state uh, but, uh, you know, living here, this is just as good of a professional fan base as it is for college sports. And the way this this city has embraced the Blue Jackets and supported the Blue Jackets through some very thin times, uh, you know, we, we always talk about, of course, Cleveland. Cleveland fans deserve it first, but these Columbus fans uh, deserve it in, as far as the NHL goes. Uh, there's no question. Uh, I remember the days of eating at the buffet down there and coming out center ice. And I mean, whew, 
you got to pick a litter where you want to sit at. So down there, nationwide arena. But I digress. Um, I think the best thing about it, and I think the tone hits the March with Us campaign because it should be us because they are the only professional team in the state of Ohio, and I think that brings everybody together. So that's the part of it I like so much. And we now have the Monsters being an affiliate uh, in Lake Erie and, and playing in the queues. I think that, you know, like you say in the intro, is, is finally the state of Ohio is united in hockey. I can't think of any other better slogan right now to start off this next season. Say major league hockey team. Major league hockey team. Yeah, you said professional team in Ohio. I mean, what, what are those, those? Those teams are in the AHL? No, it, it just sounded like when it came off that you just d- didn't include all the other pro teams. You know, you didn't say hockey. Well, pro, okay, I got you. They're pro professional team in Ohio. You see what I'm saying? Okay, cool. Yeah, I got you. Right. Yeah, it's an exciting uh, time. Yeah, it's an exciting time for Blue Jackets hockey. Uh, this team is as good as on paper as I've seen uh, in their existence. And as long as they're healthy, the, this city is ready to blow up and, and march with the Jackets. Uh, last thing, the cast schedule has been released. Um, the NBA, once again, does us no favors. Uh, Cavs have 19 back-to-backs. Uh, they play on Christmas Day in Golden State. We knew that one. That had kind of leaked. Um, and then the Cavs signed Quinn Cook and Jared Cunningham. Jared Cunningham had some great summer league battles with Jordan Clarkson of the Lakers. Uh, you might have seen that. But other than that, he's an Oregon State Beaver. Um, he played out there in the Pac-12. So they'll be seeing those guys in Canton and maybe make an appearance now and then for the Cavs. But uh, we're still waiting on the Tristan Thompson signing. Uh, and uh, and LeBron James news, he's just doing LeBron James, uh, City of Akron, helping kids things where he says he's going to pay for everybody that's in his I Promise programs, uh, college education. No big deal. Boy, there's a lot going on there. Uh, start with, uh, you know, the schedule and not doing us any favors, you know, the 19 back-to-backs. And what, what kind of treatment is it? for the NBA to send their biggest star on the road, three straight Christmases, and this time all the way across the country. It's unbelievable what it takes for us to get a big-time national game uh, here in Cleveland. Um, you know, Tristan, I, I think we'll – back back to the schedule real quick. I think the, the nice thing about this is that we're, we're so clear-cut above the East. I think we're going to be in position to rest some guys later in the season. And I think during the regular season at the beginning part and the middle, that's kind of the dog days of the NBA, uh, we're going to see that depth that has been built now uh, really rear its head. It'll be a nice luxury to be able to rest certain guys on certain nights on those back-to-back and still feel comfortable enough that you're going to get a win. So that's, to me, the the benefit of what David Griffin and LeBron James have been able to do here in the offseason. Tristan is – out of his mind. Uh, he, he has no business getting the money that the Cavs are offering him. Uh, he's limited offensively, and right now he's a sixth man at very best on most teams. And if he takes this one-year tender offer, his, he's going to go back to being Tristan Thompson all year. And, you know, depending on how the playoffs go and how much of a role he plays with a healthy Kevin Love, 
he could be costing himself millions. If I were him, I'd jump on this Cavs offer and win championships for the rest of your career. Uh, otherwise, enjoy your one-year contract, and if you want to leave, I mean, we're going to miss you, but you're replaceable. On Tristan Thompson, two things come to mind. One, he would have never got a contract this big, no matter what his numbers were, if LeBron James hadn't came back. Even if he would have had the same year he had last year. Even playing more minutes, he wouldn't have put up the numbers that he would have put up. Because um, we saw what he did over the three years with him and Kyrie Irving. With LeBron, and I mean, you know, we talked about it before LeBron came back. He was one of the guys I wanted to trade because I saw this coming from my way. I knew he wanted a max deal. Now, when we talk about 90-plus million over five years, yes, you're, da- you're damn right this guy's out of his mind. Because if you can't give me – I'll tell you like this. If you compare Tristan Thompson's stats to even what we saw Hassan Whiteside do for – Tristan's not giving us points and he's not giving us blocks. His percentage, considering how many offensive rebounds he's get, he should be shooting 80% in the paint almost. He should be leading – if you want $90-plus plus million, you should be leading the league in, in field goal percentage considering where you shoot the ball from, which is inside the paint and how many offensive rebounds you get. Um, he did have a better year of kicking the ball back outside. And, I mean, granted, he's kicking it out to LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and, you know, Jarrett Smith, yada, yada, yada. But to me, this contract negotiator has gone too far. And the, the rhetoric of, you know, well, he's going to play one year at the, you know, agreed upon amount and then never be a cap again. I, I, I know that's negotiations and they're trying to get the dander up with the fans, but I was already upset with the amount of money. So now my whole thing is whatever happens, happens. If Tristan Thompson's a Cavalier, I'll be happy and I root for him. If Tristan Thompson's not a Cavalier after this season, thank you for what you've done. Um, I will give you a salute every time I'm in Toronto. Exactly, I uh, you know that that strategy completely backfired. There there was definitely an admiration for what Tristan Thompson did for us, but it, it wasn't anything that a Cavs fan, uh, a true Cavs fan, is going to realize that you're going to mortgage the team's future basically to keep Tristan Thompson, and then for him to to come back with that was just more sour grapes. Uh, just uh, leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I mean, the guy disappears at times during the regular season. I know he elevated his play for the playoffs and was pretty consistent, but, I mean, even when he played at times in the regular season, he was invisible. Uh, So, yeah, there's a reason why other teams haven't been trying to, clamoring to sign him to max deals and $80 million deals, and uh, there's no contract for the Cavs to match, and it's because he's out of his mind. And, you know, honestly, we know it's not our money. If they would have matched the deal close to Jerry Mon Green's 82.5 or 85, whatever, I didn't even like that, but I'm fine with that because I understand he's trying to, they're trying to match the market, and that's what his agent was trying to do. But now this whole thing, we, I mean, we're killing this dead horse here, but, I mean, 90-plus, come on, man. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, Who would so, you take? Who would you take if you could have your pick? I don't want either one of those guys, honestly, because they're both but, undersized for the position they play, and they can't score. That's what's so jazzed me, and these guys don't have a high level of block shot. Tristan Thompson yeah. is the perfect player for the chemistry that the Cavs have right now. That's why you know, he's integral, so I don't argue that part of it whatsoever. Um, no, but, but he's a chemistry player. He's not one of the guys that you're counting on. He's a role player. 
in this. If you ask me, I would want to. I would want a player like and we saw Greg, Greg Monroe take less money to go to the Milwaukee Bucks, a team that made the playoffs last year that is trending up. Give me him, who is a great rebounder and actually has a back to the basket post game and a jump shot. Yeah, what what made this run great was the all in Cleveland, and this has a very anti all in Cleveland feel to it. So you know that that's extremely off putting. So, um, but yeah, we're excited for the Cavs season. I mean, maybe not so excited. What about the negotiations for the Cavs season? But uh, I mean, these are. I mean, hey, you know, this is the best worst thing we could say. Uh, still believe the Cavs will be there no matter what. So that's all you can hope for as a fan. And I, I think about it, and we close out with this last statement. I'd say the kind of the thing, and the haves and have not. Um, you know, the Cavs do have the some of the best players on the planet. We've had to think up about the Olympic team, the best players in the world. I mean, honestly, you know, when we think about all the players that will be representing their countries in the Olympics, um, it's it just it, you want to see it all come together and everybody be healthy and us just get be at full strength with the greatest opportunity so we can see that championship parade on Euclid. And I still love you, Tristan. We'll welcome you back here in two weeks when this all settles down. I'll love Tristan if he's giving out free jerseys with all that $90 million that he signed. It's all right. So this has Better been be giving out something free. <laughs> Better be giving out something free. This has been Show 48, day after tomorrow. Um, we thank you for listening. You want to sign up? Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, take care of one another, even if they are wearing a Michigan jersey. Uh, we appreciate every tweet, every favorite, every comment. Anyone and everyone who listens to this podcast, please share, like, and follow us on Facebook. Uh, email us, tweet us your thoughts. Agree, disagree. The discussions of our fan, uh, the discussions of our teams, is our passion and fuels our fandom. The discussion of our teams is our passion and it fuels our fandom. We say a salute to the medical professionals out there, the doctors, nurses, and caregivers, anybody that eases the pain of those in pain. A special uh, prayer for the troops in service, the veterans that have returned, and we have in our thoughts and minds, in our hearts and minds, those that are behind enemy lines and those that are missing in action. This is with an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with G&J. As always, go Browns, go Cavs, roll tribe, MMA, hell yeah, LFC, Family, wrestling is real. Go crew, go CBJ. Is it October yet? And go Buckeyes. Oh, H. I O. All right. Yeah, that's fine. The Tristan Thompson thing. I mean, I was holding it. I didn't even want to go there. <laughs> I, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I needed a little and, I mean, we could have did a whole. We could have did a whole ten minutes on that. Honestly, yeah. right? <laughs> we, we, that could be its own separate podcast. It's like forty-five. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I would have put. A, I would have put. A, I, I, if I could, if I was a little, if I see, I got to get my other computer up because once I get my other, I'll start doing Photoshop and shit. I just would have did a picture of this guy chasing with money signs all around. Yeah, man. I mean, like, come on, man. <laughs> Or like with an Ohio or I would have cut this guy out and put him like a bunch of senior citizens like at a bank and this guy just taking their money. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> the with an Ohio bias special podcast. We trash yeah. Tristan Tossin. <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah.
But I did see this comment because, like, the guy ain't worth it. Like, if LeBron wasn't here, he's still not worth it. Just with Kyrie, and if you don't give him max money, yeah, I, I know he – I, I wanted to say he was durable. That's the one thing I'd give. He has a durable. But. Yeah, sure he has. But he's not worth that, that any close to that money. It, it's laughable. Have we officially signed JR? Is he back on board? No. Oh, no, he's not back on board yet. But they said they offered him significantly less. That's you talking about the bonehead move of the year. <sighs> Please let the Lakers sign him if it can't be us. I want to see the Nick Young, J.R. Smith show all year with Kobe mediating. <laughs> and, and so you're talking great. about these NFL fights. It would be a fight in that Lakers Oh, practice. I can't wait. That would be so great. Then you throw in Roy Hibbert. <laughs> <laughs> Kobe's last. Oh yeah, and that mental, that mental midget Roy Hibbert. Yeah, you know that. Guy. <laughs> oh my God, the Lakers will be awesome. <laughs> All right, man. All right, man. Do it to it. Talk to you later. Bye.